This is Geek Gab with your hosts, John, Brian, and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, August 26th, 2017. We have with us today, live on the air, although that was almost, almost, almost not the case, um, due to some fun, fun, fun technical difficulties, of course. What would an episode of Geek Gab be without the technical difficulties? We have special guest David J. West here, author uh, of many, many books, which we'll no doubt get to in just a few moments. But before we do, John, how was your week? Hello, it's been a good week. We had a great game night, more or less last minute on Wednesday. Uh, when you're done here, go listen to that. And uh, what the heck? It's been a good week. How about you, Brian? It's been a week. <laughs> Didn't we just do this like two days ago? It feels like two days. Yeah, yeah. I, I was hoping. See, I saved all my uh, my advertisements for after you're on the books because I wanted people to. I didn't want to steal your thunder there, which is a really good episode, by the way. Um, Thanks. yeah, it's it's been three days, but uh, uh, we did two episodes that day, so maybe it's only technically one and a half. Well, I mean, I mean, it's actually Saturday again. Like I, I don't know. I'm I've kind of lost my conception of time. Because I haven't slept in like 27 hours. But That's bad. What are you going to do? No, it's uh, awesome. Get, oh, it's get, like every Mad Max movie. It was sweet. Get, get more more sleep. That's You could. I mean, it's an option. It's, it's theoretically possible. I'm just you know putting that out there. Well, we can figure out how I'd like to hear it. <laughs> but um, I'm doing awesome. I've got a bet with myself, by the way. And now I have to. I'm not going to announce the bet right now. We're just going to see at the end of the show whether I win the bet or not. Uh, but I've got a bet with myself, and I'm keeping an eye on that. Um, by the way, folks, we have our our guest here on the air, David J. West. Um, do you want to introduce yourself? Hey, I'm David. I write weird westerns, dark fantasy, a little bit of anything with action adventure that strikes my fancy. I collect a lot of books, a lot of swords. Like being involved with the whole pulp pulp revolution thing and Excited to be here. Excited to have you. And you just had a book come out in the last couple of weeks, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I, I just released Brutal under my pen name, James Alderdice, uh, July 11th. And then the very next day, I released something just because I was enamored of the cover that was older. It was my uh, weird Lovecraftian novella at the Highways of Madness that was originally in Redneck Eldritch. That's a great name, Redneck Eldritch. At first I thought, I don't want to write a Redneck Lovecraft story, but then right as I was typing that, the imagery of truckers came to mind, so I wrote it. <laughs> See, I actually have the, uh, a concept for a Redneck Lovecraftian story hanging about somewhere on my hard drive. Uh, well, it's great, right, because Lovecraft wrote about the Northeast, right, that... Uh, that Yankee culture, but I mean, if if Cthulhu exists in the whole world, then why wouldn't there be stories in Appalachia or the South or wherever? Yeah, they they put stories all over the map with that one. With me, I kind of stuck with something I'm familiar with, which the story is predominantly in Utah, a little bit Nevada, a little bit Colorado because they're truckers. But uh, it was a lot of fun. So, what is brutal about? Brutal is me wanting to write a Conan novel that I'll never get the rights for, so <laughs> did kind of a sellsword with no name type thing. And I, I definitely abused the the inspiration, which was Yo Jimbo, Fistful of Dollars and Red Harvest. I kind of I borrowed mostly from the book Red Harvest, but now there's definitely some Kurosawa, Sergio Leone influence in there. <laughs> That's the that first thing I thought of when you said sellsword with no name. I was like, oh, that's that's classic Western Clint Eastwood style. Yeah, and I, I've, I've had a lot of success with my Porter Rockwell weird Westerns lately, so even though it's fantasy, it probably still hangs out in that same milieu. I was going to say, one of, my favorite, like, one of my favorite Lovecraft stories is a redneck story. It's Beyond the Wall of Sleep. About a... 
about a redneck who just starts having like weird Lovecraftian dreams and goes completely insane. Check it out. That, that's 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 not your autobiography right now, is it? Beyond the Wall of Sleep. I'm just no comment. <laughs> but if uh, anybody runs into that thing that that shakes and and laughs and like burns through the sky, and just like throw a rock at him, hmm. throw it hard. That'll keep you up. No, I love I love I love hearing that that you're writing westerns because as far as film goes, it's pretty much a dead genre. So how's it doing in print form? Uh, the print I, I sell print copies, but it's like 2017. Ninety five percent of my sales are ebook these days. Oh and, yeah, that's what, that's what I meant. Like like uh, books. Uh, it, it's doing pretty good. I've uh, I finally started thinking I had to plan out some success here because I wasn't hope is not a winning strategy <laughs> hope, hope is not a marketing strategy and I had done previous short stories of Porter Rockwell that were weird westerns that uh, I decided I'd collect them up last year so it was last year I released it in the end of August and started doing just the basics of marketing and it actually worked out really well and I'm like oh I'd better get my act together and start learning how to do this better so I I was able to push it and got that book to number one in Western horror by October and started thinking all right I need to implement this better so I planned a launch of at least a trilogy for January and scavengers got number one in like multiple categories and it's been hanging out, you know, typically in the top twenty to forty thousand ever since. So I'm always selling, you know, at least a handful of copies every day, which is nice. So it's it's sold well over a thousand copies by now. So that's a success. Well, and uh, a lot of people who want to be writers who are interested in it don't realize that there are three parts of the writing trade nowadays. Uh, and you have to handle pretty much all, all three of them yourself. The first one is obviously the writing. Uh, you can't sell anything if you don't have anything to sell. The second one is marketing. You can't sell anything if the audience doesn't know your stuff exists. And the third one is the business aspect, is bringing in money, making sure you're not spending more than you make, making sure you pay the IRS because you can't sell anything if you're in jail for tax fraud. So um, those are the three legs that your career has to be built on and you have to take care of them yourself you can't depend on anybody else to do those any of those three things for you and so you have to learn all you can about those three things and then uh, once you've started publishing practice them practice the marketing especially figure out how to reach an audience who uh, will love to buy your books yeah it's like uh, when I first started my first novel was traditionally published and I was like oh this is gonna take off and this will be great yeah it didn't really happen I think most of the sales were through me anyhow so that was kind of a wake-up call and then I started doing a lot of short stories because I love pulp rev type short stories thinking that this will help get my name out there but it's not 1970 anymore so I think that marketing way is not the same. I still love short stories, but it's not the same as actually marketing yourself. So that's kind of the lesson it took me a few years to learn. You know, it occurs to me that, that we've been talking about short stories for a few weeks now, and it just occurred to me that there isn't a market in terms of sales, but I think the most people reading short stories nowadays are reading them on blogs, places like Tumblr and fanfiction.net and, and places like that where most of the content's mostly free and terrible, but there's there's the audience for, for short fiction isn't the same anymore. Right, right. I, you know, and I'm used to the old weird tales, Robert E. Howard type stuff. I, I think I had too much ego to ever put up short stories for free, so I've rarely ever done it. I had friends who say, hey, get on uh, this, get on this, and I'm like, oh, no. 
Well, maybe maybe the internet needs a site like that, you know, a fanfiction.net for people. Well, I mean, let's be honest, a lot of the stuff I've seen even in uh, like Cursova magazine is Robert E. Howard fanfiction. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I sent something to uh, the Pulp Rev mag that uh, some guys were putting together. I don't know what the status is with that. I only saw the first story was out yet. I don't even know how to pronounce his name right. Rawl? Yeah, close enough. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, okay. Was that um, the uh, story hack or Astounding Frontiers or? Ah. Uh, it was something Jesse Lucas was doing, but I'm feeling stupid for forgetting the title exactly. But uh, the guy who wrote Sword and Flower had the first tale on there I saw yesterday. But uh, yeah, story hack has taken off. I've got a story in that coming out as soon as that goes up. That's another weird Western porter story that's coming. I think he's trying to get that out in the next couple weeks. So yeah, there, there's a few markets, but it's not the way to um, fame and making a living quite yet. Um, let me ask this question. When uh, I assume you're you're publishing independently right now, right? Mostly, yes. Um, what have you found to be the most effective uh, marketing for independent publishing? Amazon marketing services. <laughs> it takes money to make money, but it's been it's been paying out for me. And so I I highly recommend that to any other indie authors. So it's interesting because I've never been able to get that to work. There's there's some tricks to it, but if you're if you're doing it right, it it pays off. So, I I had a friend who's reasonably successful. He's got his own little mini publishing company, and he was trying to put it out there with like seven keywords. And I'm like, oh no, dude, you've got to do hundreds. <laughs> Another Nicole says, uh, let Amazon pick the keywords for you. Uh, that's that's not gonna be enough. They're gonna suggest like twenty or thirty for you. Mm -hmm. and that that's not enough. You need to target your audience. It's the same as anything. So you target people that you want your book to show up next to. So right now, if you were to scroll through a lot of sword and sorcery, I'm talking real sword and sorcery, not the Harry Potter stuff on Amazon, you would hopefully be seeing brutal in those suggested books. Okay. I can dig it. So it's the concept of trying to go after the people that are most likely to like your stuff. Yeah. Similar um, authors, all that. Yeah. Like I, I've noticed, I think I did add your name, Brian, and uh, I've seen a few people who clicked on it, didn't buy, but then I did see that a couple people did. <laughs> Okay, yeah, because it's kind of tough for me because there's really nothing else like me. And that's kind of a brag and kind of a lament. But uh, yeah, really, I don't find anyone doing what I do. Yeah, from a marketing standpoint, you need to go to the next closest thing. The people that like you, what else are they, who else are they reading? What else are they reading? So, you know, for me, it's like I, I kind of threw a net out for mm -hmm. anything that was reasonably close. Um, I wonder if success in um, the ads can be linked to having a book that's more easily um, described in a short ad. Because um, Brian's books are not easily categorizable necessarily. Um, and when you see the title of Brutal, it's Brutal, an epic grimdark fantasy. I mean, yeah, epic grimdark. It's like John Mollison's uh, review pretty much nailed it, that I'm not that grimdark and I'm not that epic. <laughs> but that was me cheating with trying to have something to just a market out there. And Brutal was purposefully made to try and be a quick single word title. And it's it's funny because I have such a love for purple prose 
And yet I was thinking, okay, if I do the single word title, it'll probably sell better than if I have, you know, some Byzantine people at the red scarlet circle, you know? <laughs> so that, yeah, that was think, purposeful marketing. That's interesting. I, I think your titles are great, Brian, myself. Oh, thank you. But uh, it, it comes down to you have to step away from the, the creative author and get into your marketing shoes and think, okay, how is this going to grab people? And so you purposefully have to come up with a good log line, some copy that someone's going to read one or two sentences like a movie poster and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that out. I'm going to click that link and look at the, the longer description. So, you know, I, I purposefully went through and tweaked headlines for Yojimbo and Fistful of Dollars and Conan to try and come up with several different one or two line copy treatments for people to click my link. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's stepping away from the creative to market. Yeah, that's smart. I mean, 90% uh, of my marketing is just um, making fun of John Scalzi, which has worked so far. <laughs> if Definitely. that works, that's awesome. I, I think for me, I don't have anyone that I really want to stick my finger at quite yet so much to – I mean, I don't read Scalzi, so. <laughs> well, Lanzor is pretty good. It's, it's not that I want to stick my finger at him. See, there are two reasons that – you can just mercilessly mock and harry someone to the ends of the earth. And one is because you hate that person, but that's, that's amateur hour. I torment skulls because I love him, which is far, far worse because <laughs> anyone who studied any Christian theology at all knows that God who is love also doles out the most horrible punishment imaginable because he loves you. So I'm coming from, I'm coming from a happy place in this one. <laughs> I, I like no sleep, Brian. This is the darkest Brian. <laughs> the darkest Brian possible. I'm getting ready to write. I'm going to write a chapter after this. So. But no, I, I do want to just second David's marketing advice. No, he, he is doing it right. That's really what you want to do. Um, do not do what I did. Pick an actual definite genre. Don't invent one because... You need to find your audience, and then you need to market to them. You need to target them. Yeah, that, that's kind of why I actually went with my uh, pen name, James Alderdice, because mm -hmm. looking at the Amazon algorithms, if you look at James Alderdice, it's still a picture of me, but you look at the also-bought authors, it's all, it's all mm -hmm. fantasy authors. The problem with David J. West's also-bots is it's a little bit of everything. It's a bunch of Lovecraftian people. It's some fantasy people. It's some Larry Korea, but it's also a whole bunch of Western stuff. And Amazon doesn't comprehend – its algorithm doesn't know who to suggest my books to. And that's a shot in the foot. It's crippling me. And that's the biggest reason I said, okay, I'm going to start releasing my fantasy only on James Alderdice, and I can practically guarantee I will sell more. Yeah, fascinating. So, like you do a search for my name on Google, not Amazon, but on Google, it comes up with a picture of Larry Korea for some reason. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that when you shared that on Facebook. <laughs> we don't know what's going on. But yeah. There's got to be some linkage somewhere, people talking about both to be on the same page. Well, I, I was going to say this. It's kind of clear that you're cribbing from – Korea as far as your marketing and online presence strategy goes. So it could be an algorithmic thing where you guys are sort of acting the same and so they can't tell one from the other. You know better than me. Uh, <laughs> I got a picture of me and Larry from Westercon and I posted it because I was all excited to finally meet him in person because I had just moved back to Utah. And, man, I was bombarded with uh, mini-me comments because I'm short. I'm like 5'3". I saw that one. And, oh, man, I, I just like, oh, that was a mistake to share. <laughs> but, no, getting, getting back to what you are saying about the, the pen name, because back in the day when Trend Publishing was the only avenue there was, right, um, they would tell authors to develop different pen names and write in different genres. Like, like if you're, you're going to write in a different genre – then pick another pen name. Like the classic scenario was 
you know, dude who writes cozy mysteries and then wants to write romance on the side. Yeah. Right. We'll we'll change names, but uh, you found that in the digital age that has been helpful for you. Yeah, it's so interesting to me how it almost feels like things are going full circle from how they used to be back in the day. I think of indies as the pulps. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. Um, I just realized that I have got an ad blocker that I installed that is working quite efficiently to shield me from ads. But one of the other things that's working quite efficiently is shielding me from seeing Amazon ads. And so I just turned it off for Amazon.com so I can start taking a look at what gets marketed when. Um, well, it's like your general full screen page will have, you know, whatever product you're looking at, but then just a little ways down, not even all the way to the bottom, just, you know, a third of the way down, there'll be all the sponsored ads. And, you know, it's, it's for whatever your product is. My, from something for me that I've tried is a little bit different is I'm not even only doing books. Sometimes I'll even tag uh, similar movies. You know, I've tagged all the movies that I love that I think are close enough to my book so that maybe somebody else will think it's similar and they'll give it a shot. Yeah, why not? Spaghetti approach. Yeah, I mean, I don't, it's mostly books and authors. That's what I shoot for. But yeah, you, you got to have a good copy that grabs people's attention. And it, it, it might be hard to figure out how to describe your book in two sentences, but if you can try to come up with uh, the buzzing names of candy bars pros for the sake of just describing it like a movie trailer, a movie poster that can, that can make people click on your link. The, um, the text that shows up in these Amazon ads, that's text you write yourself. Yes. And is that different from what shows up in uh, under the description? Uh, I mean, is that a specific text just for the ad? Yes. See, I, the, the description for the book itself is longer, but I try to start with like a little lead headline. I think I put uh, a man of violence, a duchess with dangerous desires, two warring wizards. Things are going to get brutal. <laughs> but, like you a little, know. A little yeah, so I, I found that to be successful. That's what really worked out for me for Scavengers. So that was, you know, an untouchable gunslinger and yada yada. And that, that seemed to work out for me, so I've been kind of repeating what worked. I'm, a, I'm just flipping through, um, trying to see if Brian's... Uh, if his text comes up just to see what he wrote for it um for what but for your books on amazon oh but you're not sponsored right now you're not running a uh you're not running a uh a campaign right now through amazon ad so it won't come well, up I am, but not that but not that kind what i am doing is i'm using all five of my uh kdp select free days for my regular nominated book secret kings it is free today and for the next four days. Like, totally free for Kindle. Go, go get it. There, there's a link in the show notes. Get James Alderdice's books and then get mine. Sorry. Yeah, that, that, that's been real successful for me with the, the Porter Rockwell ones. Is I, I was taking advantage of the, hey, it's down to 99 cents. Hey, it's free today. You know, and that, that worked too. Mm -hmm. But it's like I'm, I'm trying to do a multi-pronged approach because... I want to get to a point where all I do is write. So right now I've still got a day job, but I'm July was my most successful month ever, and August has already beat it. We've got five more days for me to, to really stick it to July. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Kick July's ass. So your first book was traditionally published. Who was that published through? It was a small publisher in Salt Lake called Widow Publishing, and that book was Heroes of the Fallen which was me doing a very Robert E. Howard-esque take on the Book of Mormon because that's what I wanted to read. 
Nobody else had done anything even close to what I wanted. I didn't like tennis shoes among the knee fights type stuff. I wanted something savage. So I wrote what I wanted to read and had a hell of a time finding a publisher because the first small pub that read it said it was good, but they weren't sure if they could market it. And then Covenant Communications, which is big in Utah, told me no. And I got mad. The book was epic-sized. So I broke it in half and sent it to widow publishing at like four in the morning and then like a month later i won a short story contest and the next day they called me at home to offer me a contract and i was like oh yeah and then i had the joy of waiting like a whole year until the book was published it's hardback so that was cool but it never sold nearly as many copies as I would have liked. I think maybe now that it's been seven years, it sold about around a thousand. I, I I pleasantly got a five dollar <laughs> royalty check last month for <laughs> for whatever couple of ebooks it sold, which I, I'm willing to bet the ebooks it sold in the last few months that gave me that five bucks was probably pulp rev people. That would not surprise me. Um, are, would you accept a traditionally published contract in the future? Uh, if it was right, yeah, I would. If, if it probably allowed me to still do indie stuff, yeah, I would. But, you know, I don't think they're going to offer anything like that. I think, uh, I think I'd have to be quite a bit bigger for traditional to notice. I, uh... Okay, have, have either of you been paying attention to the chat? Yeah. Okay, uh, I have not because I've been poking around. On oh, I didn't. Phone. I didn't even see it. Um, is uh, is there anything interesting that's come up in the chat? Chat is almost dead today. We've got a fellow named Larry Richardson who mentions that Robert M. Price suggested that someone should do a Mythos Robert E. Howard rendition of the Book of Mormon back around 1995. <laughs> uh, I would probably be the closest guy to that because I enjoyed having uh, some multiple it, it, I, the way I wrote it was kind of epic and uh, I had some Lamanite characters that are getting initiated into the dark priesthood and bowing before their 12 gods of one of which I made Cthulhu even though I figured nobody would know that who picked it up I just have this notion, and I could be completely wrong, but I think if you're advertising on Amazon itself, that is paid advertising, not just Amazon's customers who bought this also bought this other stuff, so maybe you'd be interested, it, would, it helps greatly to have a sharp, punchy, um, not just text, but like an immediate... Um, an immediate recognition based just on the title and the tiny thumbnail of the cover uh, to push what it is you want the book to be. Just something that's it's sharp. I mean, almost like a jab to the nose. Um, that even if they're even if they're not interested, they have no question but what your book is about. If it's you know hard science, if it's um, you know uh, people who make. Uh, fantasy or epic fantasy or whatever it is so that they see the cover they see the title and they see just that very small description that it's a, a sharp uh, punch so that they're at least they know what it is and want to click or they know what it is and know they don't want to click so they're not interested I think that books that would be amorphous that have uh, are more difficult to categorize are at a disadvantage in that particular venue. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be at a disadvantage for all marketing. You, that means you have to do marketing in a different way. But for this specific venue, I think that the sharper and the clearer and the more punchy you can make your um, make it look on this, the better it will be at drawing in customers. Yeah, yeah so... Go ahead. Oh, I, I just... That was part of my thing is I, I spent good money to make sure I had this bright obvious cover you know a warm orangey color with a sword simple one word title brutal so that it would be very obvious that's what this is 
and then yeah, the, the copy the copy of saying this is what it's about. Hopefully, you know, in kind of a enticing check it out way. And you know, anybody, you know, you could you could write something enticing about most anything, even if you, you know, it's just the way you package it. Yeah, the way I've heard it said is the cover is there to get people to turn the book over and read the the blurb on the back. And the blurb on the back is there to get people to read the first paragraph. And the first paragraph should hook the reader and close the sale. Yeah. And then I try, I try to even end with a call to action. Of check it out. Grab it. Mm -hmm. You know, something. Buy it. Find yeah. out. But yeah, great cover. Um, I, I was going to answer Eddie Warpig's question from earlier that when I was running Amazon ads, uh, the tagline that I used for Ethereal was the cast of Firefly ODs on the spice from Dune and wakes up on Cthulhu's couch. I like it, but I'm a weirdo, so <laughs> some, sometimes I think you do have to go lowest common denominator just to get the clicks. By the way, speaking of Cthulhu, Raindrops in the chat wants to know, David, what your favorite Lovecraft story is? Probably the Dunwich Horror. Ooh, good choice. I'm going to go with... My favorite is actually Pickman's model. Ooh. But I'm wondering, has David ever seen the, the totally 70s'd out Dunwich Horror movie with Dean Stockwell in it? I have not. I missed that. <laughs> yeah, check that out sometime. Yeah, I'll have to do that. I didn't know he did that. That's all psychedelic. <laughs> Definitely product of its time. So let me ask a question. Um, other than liking the kinds of stories that we talk about, what got you involved in um, uh, the pulp revolution? Um, beyond liking similar type of stories, I think I would have to go that I, I could recognize a similar political ethos in the sense that maybe I lean right, but I'm perfectly fine with having lefty friends as long as they're not beating me over the head about it. And I, I do feel like, hey, everybody needs a voice. Even if I think you're an idiot, I think you deserve a voice. And I just have to feel like, by and large, the pulp rev people have more common sense. <laughs> I, uh, one of my goals or hopes or dreams with the Pulp Revolution is I would like to see a group of authors that is dedicated to writing adventure tales. I don't care if they're old-fashioned or not. Uh, that's not what I'm interested about in the Pulp Revolution itself. But adventure tales that don't really get written much anymore that are... Uh, pitched at a male audience, the vast majority of whom doesn't read, but many of whom used to read, or at least that population, men, male, yeah, and, used and, to read a lot. And so it's like there's so many things I can think of where I, I you know, looked, somebody was friends with somebody or somebody liked to post so you could see what somebody else liked, somebody else responded to. And I, I just found myself appreciating so many little things that people said, you know. I, I think I remember reading something about that John Mollison said about uh, he writes for men because it's you know you you're being true to yourself, but women can also appreciate that. And I just I remember liking his sentiments on that because I feel like everything I do is action adventure, even though I you know multiple genres. And I, I guess there's just so many little things I saw that I liked. I just I, I have this hope or dream or vision of reaching men who are not readers and bringing them back to reading uh, again uh, by giving them stuff they want to read, not just, um, you know, watered down uh, or, or, oh, I'm going to rant here for just a second. I'm hijacking the show and I don't even care. <laughs> here we um, go. I posted about this. I tweeted about this last night because uh, someone in the Pulp Revolution, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was Tom Delarose, brought it to my attention. There is a 
an anthology, a new anthology that's going to be going out on Quick I saw that very, very soon. Um, for those of in the audience who haven't heard about it, it is called Space Marines Midwives. Okay? Space Marines Midwives. And the point of this anthology um, is they want stories about bringing forth new life under space battle conditions the juxtaposition of war and creation issues surrounding women's access to medical care in times of political slash military upheaval things we'd love to see midwives who aren't women marines who aren't men non-binary asexual and trans perspectives on pregnancy and childbirth badass older ladies people with disabilities kicking butt in space intersectional feminism Wow, dude, you just listed, you literally listed all the things that I love to read about on a daily basis. This is, you just pushed all my buttons there. No one, no one, I don't care who you are, what, what your politics are, no one is going to want to read that anthology. That anthology is not going to make someone sit up and say, oh, that's perfect. That's the exact thing I've been missing for the last 30 years. I will be an avid reader from now until the day I die. Never gonna happen. Yeah, no, no this, is, this is the anthology that's gonna hook kids on reading. This is, yes. this is what they're gonna fondly remember 20 years from now. But that's the problem with message fiction. Nobody gives a damn. Oh, and it's deliberate. It's not meant to be liked or even read. It is just meant to demoralize normal people it's it's a victory lap it's um you know it's the the message pick peddler signaling we've won you know we, we're in control of the apparatus of traditional publishing power and we are going to publish patently ridiculous things and force people to celebrate it and applaud it and say it's the best things and sliced bread and if you don't we're going to relentlessly hound you it's uh, it's like putting up a little Workers of the World Unite sign in your storefront if you're in an Eastern Bloc country and owned a store, right? You know, yeah. you didn't necessarily believe it, but it was it was required, and you knew that anyone who didn't was part of the out group and was to be shunned. So that's all it is. It's not yeah, I I don't I don't see that that book selling more than fifty copies. It's going to have the contributor copies. Mm -hmm. Their girlfriend slash boyfriend might buy it, and that's it. I, this this anthology is just like the apex, the acme, the epitome of modern speculative fiction, science fiction, fantasy, anything by traditional publishers. Now you're going to say, well, it's not that bad. Okay, that's true. It's not necessarily that bad, but it's basically that. That is the concentrated, the distilled form of the spirit of modern speculative fiction. And that it is exactly the kind of stuff that drove men screaming from science fiction and fantasy. And I just, I think there are a lot of authors out there who if they write great adventure fiction and they can reach a male audience of people who are not readers, that they can reactivate them and make them readers uh, because there's enough adventure fiction being published so they have a variety of authors and a variety of genres i think you could really revolutionize independent publishing that's that's what i would hope i would uh, you know if we could get back to the amount of people that used to read that'd be amazing but there's so many distractions these days that if we can just get a good fraction of them that'll be a victory yeah i i said that um last week on the uh, castalia house blog um I, I said that authors who want to be read, who want to pick up an audience, basically have to be great. You have to be um, great at what you do, and you have to use the language that the audience is going to understand. You have to you know, do this other stuff, but you have to be better than video games. You have to be better than you know television. You have to be better than all these things. And the thing is, it's not hard in the sense that you're not directly competing. Let's, let's take sports for a quick example. Football and basketball are both sports. And people watch those at different times for different reasons, but they're so different. They're not in direct competition with each other because you watch basketball for one set of skills and one set of things happening. And you watch football for a completely different set. So 
books are different from movies and it's not just that you have to be better than movies um it's that you have to use the strengths of your medium there are unique things that you can do in books that you can't do in movies so people come to books for a different experience than they get from movies and that is available to anyone who writes books you don't have to be better than james cameron to write a great book that people will buy. You just have to know how to exploit the innate facets of your medium. Learn to do with books what can't be done anything else and learn to do it well. And you can offer people something unique that they will be willing to spend some part of their day on. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I guess for me, it's like I love books so much that I have to write. And, you know, I hope I can find people that appreciate that even small amount as much as me. <laughs> here. And I'm going to say that there are signs that Daddy Warpig's dream is coming true little by little. Because while the traditional publishers are losing market share, they're losing revenue, according to Amazon, and he just keeps growing. The, those readers are coming from somewhere. And uh, just anecdotally, I've heard of men in particular who said, yeah, you know, I've, I've been reading science fiction since the 80s, 70s, even the 60s. And, you know, just finally let my analog subscription lapse or whatever and just kind of walked away to do other things. But, yeah, now, like with the, the pulp rev, I've been coming back. Yeah. I, to toot my own horn, I've actually been super pleased when I've compared myself to a few of the other trade published stuff that's big, that's getting a lot of talk. I look at it, and I'm like, Brutal's outselling them on Amazon. Woohoo! I'm not, I'm not in any of the Barnes and Nobles. I'm not in any of the other print venues. But when it comes to just Amazon, I'm outselling these books that are getting a lot of talk. So that. That pleases me greatly. <laughs> it should. And, and yeah, Amazon's like 80% of the market, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and these, these are books that everybody's, everybody's talking about this grimdark book by uh, Anna Smith-Spark, The Court of Broken Knives. I'm not selling her on Amazon. And I'm like, whoo. <laughs> um, well, a lot of traditional publishing uh, heat um, is not because of the intrinsic merits of the work itself, but rather due to the identity of the author and or um, ancillary values present in the work, independent of whether or not it's uh, exciting or interesting or enjoyable. Um, and, and following rule one and being very uh, oblique about that, but I'm sure people who are listening understand. Um, but they can't compete. People who depend on identity politics and people who depend on political um, preaching in their books can't compete on a level playing field with people who are who their first and overriding goal is to entertain the audience and uh, as raindrops is pointing out in the chat um, the the recent golden age of television is starting to falter and fall apart uh, many of the the blockbusters that have been driving much of the movie industry for the last decade, that is Marvel and similar movies, are starting to falter. The movie saw a massive drop in, despite increasing ticket prices, saw a massive drop in patronage. Look, the point is that, and I, I've been doing this consistently for the last couple of months, I'm encouraging everyone who listens to this show, everyone who you know reads my blog posts, to start writing their own stuff if they're at all interested. If you have even if you think that you have uh, the talent to do it, if you think you're just interested, try it. No, there has been never, ever, ever, ever a better time to start writing indie than right now. So try it. And those of you who are in it, up your game. Do whatever you need to do to increase the quality of your work. If that's joining a writer's group or founding a writer's group, if that is paying an editor to help you structure your story and tell you what elements need to be moved around, if that's just practicing so much that uh, you're cranking material out so you get better at being a writer, uh, if that's spending the amount of money you need to have a great looking cover, whatever you need to do 
to up your game, if that's streamlining your prose so the audience will read it, if that is learning how to cut out irrelevant paragraphs of exposition, whatever you need to do, and that's what having an editor, by the way, does for you, a real editor, not a copy editor, not someone to pick out um, typos, but a real editor who can help shape your material and tell you, this whole paragraph here, you may think it's the coolest thing in the world, it bores your readers to death, take it out. Um, whatever you need to do, to up your game as far as being an independent writer. You have to do it for yourself. Consult with other writers, consult with whomever you have to, to learn how to do your craft better, because I want there to be more writers. I want there to be writers who are more successful, and I want there to be writers whose quality is such that the audience can compare it favorably to the tread publishing world. You may not have the financial resources they do, but the fact is, other than buying a cover, they're not giving financial resources to their books anymore. So you can compete with them if you can step up your game. And so I want to see adventure writers, pulp revolution writers, you know, superversive SF writers who make their work the best it can be and find an audience because the more people you can reactivate and draw back into reading, the better it is for everybody. Because if they love reading and they want to read more, sooner or later they'll run out of your stuff and they'll buy stuff from somebody else. The more, uh, the better that any one of us does, the better it is for everybody else. There will be knock-on effects later. And that's what I keep on trying to encourage people to do. Yeah. So David, what is your number one piece of advice for writers to find an audience? Hmm. For me, I write what I want to read. I feel like I've got the, <laughs> I guess I'd call it the manly taste. I want action, adventure. <laughs> I, I like some beautiful prose that, you know, about how you killed someone. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I love so much about the Iliad. <laughs> and he stabbed him. <laughs> and his breath was taken away on the black wind. I I, I love that kind of stuff. And so I, that's what I try to do. And I figure there's got to be people out there that like it just as much as me. Beautiful. I would second that. Uh, we are running out of time. Um, is there anything you want to say? Uh, anything you want to get in before we shut down? I just really appreciate you guys having me and having the opportunity. Hey, thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure. Yeah, anytime. Is there uh, any last words, Dorno? That was it. Okay. <laughs> what about you, Brian? <laughs> yeah, just uh, another reminder that uh, the Dragon Awards are right around the corner. I believe that Monday is the last day that you can register to vote. I think voting closes on Tuesday, so there, there should be a, a link to it in the, the show notes. But uh, yeah, voting's free. My book, Secret Kings, is up against Scalzi's Collapsing Empire for best science fiction novel. And my book is also free, which ties into what David was talking about. Uh, not only do we indies have access to all of the tools that Tradpub does, we have access to more. Mm -hmm. and we're much more agile much more adaptable. So yep, can move faster, can take advantage of, hey, this. You do not have to wait a year to get a book published uh, as an indie, but that means that you yourself are responsible for making sure that it's the highest quality you can make it. Uh, if mm -hmm. you're going to be out there publishing as an independent publisher, you need to start building your brand as an author to where people are going to buy your books just because you wrote them. And if you don't, uh, establish a reputation for quality, then people aren't going to love your stuff and want to pass it along to their friends. Too right. Here, here. All right. Um, we are out of time for today, but let me say this. I both won and lost the bet I made with myself that I mentioned at the beginning of the show. The bet I made with myself that, uh, that I had mentioned was that I had thought of all the links I needed to put in the notes below 
the show so that I wouldn't have to add anything on the fly during the show. And in point of fact, I had uh, David's author page on Amazon. I have his blog. I have the 2017 Dragon Awards registration. And of course, I have links to my uh, blog posts on Castelli House. We have links to Brian's blog, uh, his short story, and his Soul Cycle trilogy. However, I did actually need to add something very, very quick to the notes, even though nobody else mentioned it. Uh, I had to add something really, really quick to the notes because I didn't have a note. I didn't have a link for Brutal. So I have now added a link for Brutal in the description below the show so that those of you who are interested in his epic grimdark story that is not so epic and not so grimdark can <laughs> click on that and check it out. I actually had that taken off of the print copy. <laughs> but thank you very much for that. This has been Geek Gab for Saturday, August 26, 2017. You can catch us on YouTube, youtube.com slash geekgab. You can catch us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and the Google Play Store, at least for the present. Just do a search for Geek Gab, and you can subscribe to uh, the podcast and automatically download us to any one of your mobile devices, uh, except quite yeah, no, even including Windows Phone, if they're still making those, because SoundCloud will give you MP3 files. Now, the uh, other thing I'd like to point out is if you want to be included in the list of announcements to know when this show is going live, so you can come on and you can join, be absolutely thrilling, and I'm not even making that up. This is not hyperbole, folks. I know, or hyperbole, I know that you are used to perhaps thinking that I exaggerate everything, but I want to let you know that it is absolutely accurate and true that we have awesome conversations that go on in the chat while the show is on the air, conversations that are not saved and just away so if you want to come and be educated if you want to come and uh, be inspired to be amused and entertained by all means not just click the subscribe button but click the bell so you can double secret subscribe and I will tell you this there have been times when I have copied notes out from the chat to use in my projects because people in there have had good points uh, good suggestions of books to read, movies to watch, good suggestions uh, or ideas I can follow up on later. So I'm absolutely dead serious when I say we have got a great audience who comes out for the show live and does it in the chat, uh, and you, you will find it to be of value. Be sure to double secret subscribe if you want to show up for that. We are leaving you, folks. We are abandoning you, our audience, until the next time we get together. But don't worry. Don't you fret, we will be back.